Hey, how's everybody doing? It's good to see you. It's good to see you. It was about a year ago I needed to get my driveway pressure clean. I got one of those delightful notices from my homeowners association. And as you know, the relationship between, between a homeowner and their association is a sacred thing. Uh, so I got a, a note. And you know, whenever they send you a notice, it's always like, we need you to do this to your house. And then they take a picture of it in the most unflattering light possible. You know, so it's like, we need you to paint your house. And your house looks like a crack house uh, when you, when you know, in the lighting. So anyway, so I needed to pressure clean my driveway. And as I was driving out of my development, I see a guy... Uh, with his pressure cleaning truck, pressure cleaning a, a driveway. So I get out of my, I stop, I get out of my car, and I said to him, I said, hey, how much do you charge to pressure clean? And he gives me this kind of weird look and keeps doing what he's doing. And, and so I'm like, hey, listen, I need to get my driveway pressure cleaned. It's about the size of this driveway. How much do you charge? And he doesn't respond. And I, and I realize, like, oh, he doesn't speak English. So I ask him the same thing in Spanish. And he still doesn't respond. And so then I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm being really insensitive. Maybe, um, maybe the guy just can't talk. Maybe he's mute or something. So then I explain it in sign language the best I can. Like, I need you to pressure clean my dr-. Anyway, it's really messy. I was trying to explain it. Uh, and so finally the guy speaks up and he says, this is my driveway. I don't own a company. And I'm not going to your house to clean your driveway. And I said, then what about your truck? And he says, that's not my truck. That's that guy's truck. And as I was talking to him, what I didn't realize is, is that the guy who owned that truck had gotten out and started pressure cleaning the guy that lived the next door house to that guy. And I then, you know, you know, at the end of the sixth sense, when Bruce Willis, then finally all the scene, everything finally comes together. That's what happened to me at that moment. And I said, okay, I'm going to leave now. I don't live around here. And uh, if you see someone here that looks like me, it's not. It's not me. I I don't live here. I'm from Cuba. And uh, so anyway, I just left. Buenos dias. And I left. And so... But I'm telling you, there's these moments, right, where we just don't know what to say. We don't know what the right thing to do is. We get kind of stuck. This happens, I think, to all of us that are Christians when it comes to praying. Because uh, if you're a Christian, we know that we're supposed to pray. Sometimes we're not sure what to pray, but we know that we're supposed to. So sometimes we'll just kind of start praying. And there's these moments that uh, we're praying for something to happen. And, or sometimes you ever have this where somebody asks you to pray for them about something? And you say, all right, well, up, yeah, sure. Hey, man, you know, it's like a guy likes this girl. Hey, could you pray that, you know, we kind of get together? And, you know, I think maybe that God would put us together because she's a great girl and I'm a good guy and we love Jesus and all this. And then you, you, know, then you pray for them and then they get together. Like, hey, man, how did it go? And you're like, dude, she was crazy. And I'm like, well, what? what? And he's like, did you pray? I'm like, man, but I was praying for you. Oh, thanks a lot. And it's like, like somehow you're responsible for what, for what happened there, you know? And, and it's the weirdest thing. Uh, now, I'm grateful I'm grateful that God is sovereign. He has veto power over all of our prayers. So even if you're praying for the wrong thing, he can just override. I'm grateful for that. But I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, um, the person that I know that is the, the best prayer that I know, uh, the person that, I, I mean, he is just so sincere. When I need prayer, this is the person that I go to for prayer uh, because the, he just prays from his heart, you know, uh, is my four-year-old son, Xander. 
Uh, he is, I'm telling you, when I need prayer, when I'm hurting, I just tell Xander, buddy, I need you to pray for me. God listens to you. You know, because I'm telling you, God and Xander are friends. They are, man. I'm sure of it because God, Xander talks to God so, so naturally and comfortably, like they've been pals for years. He's four. Uh, I'll give you a typical Xander prayer. It, it'll start, you know, like kind of how we've taught him, and then he just freestyles. Uh, like, because he, he just talks to God about whatever's in his heart, whatever's on his mind. So here's a typical prayer. You know, like I, this the other night, I, I get home um, from the office, and we're gonna, we have dinner shortly after. So, we're gonna, so I usually ask Xander to pray. Xander, can you pray for us for dinner? Okay, Dad. Uh, God, thanks for this food, for our family and our friends. And God, um, I've been playing the Jake and the Neverland Pirates game on DisneyJunior.com forward slash Pirates and Princess Summer. And I'm having a tough time on the level where Jake is supposed to ski down the hill. It's really hard, but my mom says I need to relax and that it's only a game. And that game shouldn't get me upset. So God, what I do is that I just stop and I just say, calm down. Because I don't want to get mad. I just say, calm down. Xander, please land the plane. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and Lord, thank you for making everything and for the awesome stuff in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. That's like a t- typical Xander prayer. Uh, and Because he, and he, he goes and he'll tell you like, uh, and whatever thing that he's, that he's playing, like even if it's, you know, God, I'm playing this game, and that is a literal thing, you know, and Lord, I'm, I'm playing this game, you know, DisneyJr.com forward slash, you know, he does the whole thing, and it's like, because, you know, apparently God's on there. Uh, he's, he, you know, and now I'll tell you what, the, that, that level is hard. I've played. Um, and, now, and here's the thing, but sometimes you don't know. Now, we started this series last week that we're calling The Science of Joy, where we're working our way verse by verse through the book of Philippians. And what I want to do uh, today, is, and I want to focus on, and normally what we do is we'll cover 8, 10, 12 verses as we're working our way through a chapter or a book of the Bible. Today I want to focus really on just three verses. That's it. Because I want to take it kind of phrase by phrase, and I want to focus on the Apostle Paul, his prayer for these believers. He actually prays four specific things for them. And and personally, I believe that they are four prayers that God always answers. And so if you want to know how to pray for people, this is a great place to start. If you want to know uh, how to pray for your kids, this is a great place to begin. If you want to know how people should be praying for you, check out the list. If you say, man, I want to pray, what should I pray for myself? This is the list. If you say, Pastor Bob, how do I pray for you? Start here. This is the place to go. Because I'm telling you, if you want to know what God's trying to do in your life all the time, this is a good place to see what it is that God is looking to do. So I'm going to invite you to open with me to Philippians chapter 1. That's where we're going to be. We're going to start in verse 9. And here's what he says. He says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge in all discernment. Now if you pause there and give me your attention. Once again, there's four prayers I want to show you in, in these verses. Here's prayer number one that we read in verse nine. Uh, when he talks about that, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. Here, here's what he's saying essentially. Number one, that your love would be wise. That your love would be wise. That is the best kind of love there is, is a love that is rooted in wisdom and discernment. Can I ask this? How many parents do we have uh, in the house today? Can I ask that? Okay, by the way, these are the people to pray for, if you're wondering. How many of you um, have teenagers? Can I ask that? Uh, these are the people to fast for, if you're wondering, because uh, these, these poor people. Some of the rest of us are going to get there. And uh, Now, I'll tell you this, right? 
as parents, we intuitively understand this. We may have not connected the dots, but we intuitively understand this. Uh, the other day, my daughter, Olivia, who's 20 months, she'll be two in December, but she is incredibly independent. She doesn't like people doing stuff for her. So she, what she does is she has this little step stool that she pushes around the house all the time. And so because she doesn't want people to pick her up to get stuff for her, she wants to just do it herself. So anyway, so she, I, I'm, I'm at the counter in my kitchen washing some dishes, and she pulls up the step stool right next to me, and she tries to grab this very large knife that I have sitting next to me that I just washed that's drying. So I tell her she can't have it, and she freaks out. And so she just does, by the way, can I, let me just ask, how many of you have, did you say you have, because how many of you have girls? Can I ask that? Sweet baby Moses. Uh, Now, let me tell you something. This is, you want to say, well, what what, what's it like having girls? It's drama. That's what it is. It is drama, princesses, and my little pony. That's pretty much the whole deal. Boys are so different. Xander and I, we, uh, Xander wants, uh, we bought him, I bought him a ninja costume uh, because he wants to be, one of the guys from the show, Ninjago, he wants to be that for Halloween. So, so anyway, but it's Halloween every day at my house because so my kids dress up every day. Uh, so anyway, so, so this, is, this is boys, right? This is parenting boys. Pa- uh, parenting boys is uh, we both have these ninja swords and we're f- fighting and spinning and I'm hitting him and he's hitting me and we're laughing. But he, he gets the thing. Anyway, he hits me with the sword. I start laughing and he's like, laughing doesn't matter. Only fighting matters. And then anything else, oh, my phone's ringing. Your phone doesn't matter. Only fighting matters. So that's, that's boys. Uh, with girls, this is, this is Olivia. Olivia tries to get the knife. Mama, you can't have the knife. Ah! And then she doesn't just walk away and cry. She gets about four feet from you and just lays flat on the floor, face down. Ah! Like, what are you doing? And then she'll look up at you like, if you loved me, you'd give me the knife. You know, and I'm like, relax. And now, this is the thing, right? Parents understand this. We understand this idea, right, that love has to be wise. Because sometimes we recognize the loving thing to do in the moment is to do the thing that upsets our kids. So, because, once again, it's not just giving them whatever they want. Sometimes love has to be wise, and it upsets our kids. Because love has wisdom we see that the most loving thing to do, hey, I'm sorry, this is going to upset you right now, but it is the most loving thing to do. This is the kind of love that Paul is talking about. He's not talking about a sentimental kind of love. I mean, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. No more. Uh, and, you know, you know, love is a feeling you feel when you feel a feeling you never felt before, right? And so that's love. And so that's not, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is a love that is wise and discerning. It's a mature love. You see, because without wisdom, love does not know how to express itself. Let me tell you this way. My wife um, is not into social media. She does not have a Facebook account. She's not on Twitter. She's not into that. My wife is basically like one of these people that like lives off the grid, you know. She's never told me this, but it's kind of like, I'm off the grid. The government isn't going to track me, you know, one of these. She's, uh, I don't know if she's stocking ammo somewhere, but it's possible. Um, But anyway, so, so anyway, but... um, but my wife hears about the, the phrases, because you know, when you're, on, when you're on social media like Facebook or Twitter, you know, there's all these uh, kind of shorthand phrases that people use. And so, uh, but two years ago, uh, some friends of ours, they had a family member uh, who, who passed away, 
And they, they posted about it on Facebook. Hey, this person, you know, we love them, want to be with Jesus and all that. And so Carrie says, oh, you know, can, we, can I write them a message uh, on, on your Facebook account and just email them and let them know that we're praying for them or whatever? And I said, sure. And so she writes them a note. Hey, you know, I, um, and so she writes this note, short thing. She puts, sorry for your loss, LOL. And I read that and I'm like, Carrie, what did you do? And she's like, no, I just... You know, I put sorry for your loss, lots of love. It doesn't mean lots of love. You basically said, I'm sorry your family member died. Ha, 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 ha. And, and, you know, that's just, that's not good. And uh, anyway, that way she, she learned that day what LOL means. And um, she has become wise in the ways of social media. And our friends are now speaking to us again. So that's all good. But... Now, this is the thing, of, this is what I'm talking about. Now, here's what, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. You see, sometimes what we, we want to do something that's loving, and it is, what, what some, from on the outset, some would look at, but that, don't you do the loving thing? Now, let me give you an example. A couple months ago, I'm having lunch with a friend. I walk out of the restaurant, and this guy who in, looks in really tough shape. Uh, he walks up to me. It's obviously the, the guy's strung out. And he walks up to me and he says, hey, listen, can, uh, could you spare a dollar? Uh, because I'm really hungry. And I said to him, I said, hey, listen, if you're really hungry, let's go back into the restaurant, you and me, and uh, you tell me what you want and I'll pay for your meal. And uh, so you, I'm not going to give you a dollar, but I'll, I'll pay for your meal if, if, you, uh, if you're hungry. And he goes, oh, no, man, I, I got somewhere to be. And he just, and he leaves. And so anyway, then my buddy and I have a conversation about this whole thing that, you know, uh, that it's like, well, you sh- shouldn't you, wouldn't it have been the loving thing to give him a dollar? It's like, well, no, because I'm not going to inadvertently support somebody else's drug habit. But see, what will happen is, is that w- what we can look on, see, and that's this whole thing about you've got this, that our love would be, that would abound, listen, what he says, in knowledge and in discernment. Knowledge and discernment. Now, I have, a friend, uh, I have a friend named Tim uh, who's a great guy. He's, he's a bit older than me. He's probably about 20 years older than me. Well, not, he'd be upset if I said that. He's about 15 years older than me. And uh, he has a son that's in his early 30s. And when his son was about 12 or so, he wanted to buy this, this you know, toy set, this big kind of play set, toy set, whatever, for his for, uh, for, um, and so he says to his dad, Dad, can I, can I buy this? And, he says, well, and you know, Tim says, son, you don't have enough money for it. He says, you know, you're about $12 short or whatever. And he says, well, can you, can you loan me the $12? And then I'll pay you back with my allowance and I'll do some extra chores. He says, okay, that's fine. So they go and they buy the play set. And his son's playing with the play set. so good, you know. But then now that his son has the play set, he doesn't feel that strongly about paying his dad back with what he owes him. And so anyway, this goes on and he says to him, he says, hey, you know, remember you still owe me those, those 12 bucks. You know, we got uh, to, you know, take care of that. Oh, yeah, 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 dad. You know, that's not whatever. And we'll do that some other time. And uh, then one day his son went out and Tim took the playset, and he sold it at a garage sale and he made his 12 bucks back. And then his son came home and he's like, where's my playset?" And he says, son, we're going to learn a class called Introduction to Foreclosure. Uh, and so he learned a lesson about, you know, because his dad became the repo man and, uh, and he got re- and he, listen, and it's an amazing thing that happened, right? But can I tell you something that this lesson, 
served this kid, has served this kid his whole life. Now this kid is in his, uh, he, he's in his uh, early 30s. He's married, he has two kids, and he has no debt. Listen, because his dad was loving and wise enough to teach him a biblical principle. What's a biblical principle? It's in Psalm 37. It says, the wicked borrow and do not repay. And he's explaining to him, listen, if you'll do this with a $12 item, you'll certainly do this later on in life with a $25,000 item. So we got we to gotta learn this right now. Listen, can I tell you something? That God is parenting us the same way. He's teaching us the lessons that we need to be the people that he's calling us to be. He's teaching us what it means to follow Jesus and walk with him. And it begins with, with having a love that is wise and discerning. He goes on in verse 10. Here's what he says. Let me start back in verse 9. He says, and, I pray this, and this I pray, that your love may abound more and more in all knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. And that's the second thing, if you're taking note, approving the things that are excellent, that your decisions would be excellent. The phrasing Paul uses goes beyond simply knowing right or wrong. The word that Paul uses, approve there, is this uh, interesting Greek word, uh, which is the Greek word dokimazo, D-O-K-I-M-A-Z-O. And here's what it means. It's a word that's used specifically for someone who is testing the genuineness of coins, to see if they are real or counterfeit. Are they real or do they just look like they're real? And what he prays is that these believers would be able to approve or test that which is excellent. And he's telling believers, listen, this goes beyond just kind of like the 101 level of knowing right and wrong. It goes, it goes beyond that. Because one of the biggest challenges that we have as, as believers is that what do we do when there's two options and we're not sure which one to take? It's easy if your options are, well, I mean, do I join the Peace Corps or join the Mafia? I mean, which one do I really do? Right? We, right, we pretty much know what, you know, what, what, one's right, one's wrong. But what do you do when the choices are, they're more difficult when there's no wrong choice? When both are good things? What do you do at that point? When one is good and the other is excellent. But you're not really sure at the moment which one is good and which one is excellent. The Bible says, it's in your notes, but in, in Proverbs chapter 3, he says this, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I want to talk about that phrase, acknowledge him, for just a moment. That, that term, uh, that, the phrase acknowledge him in Hebrew means to know God in all of your ways. You ever do this as a kid? Your, your friends would say, hey, why don't we go do this? And you're like, nah, I can't. Well, why is that? Well, because uh, my parents are going to say no. Yeah, but you haven't even asked your parents. Yeah, well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go home. I'm going to talk to my parents. I'm going to say this. And then they're going to say that. And then I'm going to say this. And they're going to say that. Then I'm going to get in trouble. And then my whole day is going to be ruined. So how about this? I'm just going to say no now. And I'm going to answer on their behalf so that my whole day isn't ruined. Now, what are you doing there? You are answering based on the fact that you know your parents. You're acknowledging them because you know them, and that's what's directing the decision that you're making. And this is the very thing that Solomon would say, is saying in Proverbs, that if you trust God, if you acknowledge him and recognize what has God done in the past, not just in my life, but as I read the pages of the Bible, how has God worked, if I understand that, then listen, the decisions that I make will be excellent. If I can realize what it is that God has done in the past, what is God has done in my life, and where it is that God is ultimately leading me. Listen, this is one of the reasons why uh, just daily Bible reading is so important. The reason why it's so important is because as you spend time reading the Bible, you're going to find, find out how God operates. And that there is a consistency in how God operates. 
Uh, the Bible says this. It's in your notes in, in Romans chapter 12. It's a familiar verse. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, you may want to underline that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His perfect, pleasing, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, what, he, what you're learning is and what we find out is, is that if we do what God has already said in the areas of, your, of our lives where we know what God wants us to do, when we acknowledge him, not just in the area of our life that we're praying about, but in all the other areas of our life that, 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 we, that we know what to do and we do what, he, what we know him, him calling us to do, what will happen is this. It will be much easier for, for us to understand and approve that which is excellent in the area where we aren't sure. Well, look at what he says in verse 10. He goes on. He says that you may approve the things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. So you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Listen, here's prayer number three. Prayer number three is this, that your faith would be real. That your faith would be real. Do you know how faith grows? Here's how faith grows. Faith grows when we are intentional about growth. In every area of your life where you are intentional about investing in, that's the area that grows. It's the way it works in any area of life. And I'll tell you, uh, in, in, in my life, about a year ago, maybe two years ago, um, some people that we know, they, that Carrie and I know, were having some uh, marriage problems, and, and we were just, they, everything looked great on the outside, and then it just turned out there was this big mess, and uh, man, we were just really, um, we were really messed up by it. I mean, I, I was shocked, so shocked by it, and, and um, I'm sitting in my office after I heard about this the next day, I'm sitting in my office, and I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this, and I said, you know, when was the last time that I sent my wife flowers for no reason at all? And about two minutes later, after I thought that, I get an email from the company that I used to, to order flowers for my wife, offering me a great deal on flowers, which is pretty kind of amazing. So I, okay, so I order the flowers. And then I, I write this nice card for her. And uh, anyway, so the next day, I'm leaving for the office, and that we get a knock at the door, and it's a delivery, it's the flowers. And that, Carrie's having the worst morning. I mean, it's, you know, the kids are all acting like crazy, and she feels terrible, and she's thinking about our friends, and then, you know, the, the flowers show up as I'm leaving for the office, and she's like, Bob, how did you know? You know, she's so happy because I bought her flowers, and she's like, I mean, does, does, how does God talk to you? I mean, is it audible that you just, you know, buy Carrie flowers? And I said, you know, God does speak to me. It's just mostly in the form of email marketing. And um, so, now, here's the point, right? The point is that few good things in life happen by accident. They happen when we're intentional. And then, you know, we, we, we see what happens, right? And, and I, tell, I tell couples this all the time, is that, and maybe you've heard me talk about this in the past, that it's, falling in love is easy, right? I mean, it's very easy to fall in love. You can fall in love with someone you don't even know. Right, talk to any kid in middle school, any girl in middle school, about uh, their, their, their feelings about the band One Direction. I've never heard the band One Direction, and I feel God is pleased because of that. Um, but 
If you, <laughs> I'm moving on. Uh, but there's so much. Sometimes it's just too many jokes. Uh, but what happens, why, and so it's like, oh, do you love, I love them so much. And then whichever one, you know, I like this kid, I like this kid, I like the kid with the blonde afro, you know, whichever one, you know, whatever. And then it's like, well, which, which one do you, and, uh, but they all have, do you know them? Oh, I've never met them. I'd love to meet them. So you don't know them, but yet you're in love with them. How is that possible? Because falling in love is easy. Staying in love is a little more difficult. And, and this is the tricky part, and it has very little to do with feelings and a lot more to do with actions and intentionality. And that's why Paul talks about our, our faith. Here's what he says about our faith, that our faith would be real and sincere. That when he talks about sincerity, he's talking about a purity, or literally it would be without hypocrisy, without any kind of cover-up. The Bible says this in, uh, in James chapter 3. It says, But wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without hypocrisy, or without partiality, and without hypocrisy. This is the kind of faith. Can I, can I, listen, this is so huge. This is the kind of faith that people are expecting of Christians. This is the indictment that culture has on the community of, of the church. Is that, the, oh, you know, you want to come to church? Oh, I don't go to church. The church is full of, so you've heard it too. You see, it's, it's an interesting indictment because here's what it is. Can I tell you this? That there is an understanding that, that non-Christians understand that sometimes we miss. Is that as believers, sometimes we think that faith is a Sunday morning activity. But then, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't affect the, the, the rest of our life. You see, a person who is not a Christian believes that if you are a Christian, it should impact everything that you do. And as Christians, sometimes what we try to do is compartmentalize our faith and say, well, faith is something I do. That's what I do on Sunday. But come on, business is business. No, business is not business because you're a Christian. And that should impact everything that you do. Yo, but you know, I mean, you, you're talking to people. You just got to, you just got to, you know, because you got to be forceful. You got to be an animal. At, no, no, no. But see, you're a Christian. So that should change it. It should change how you operate. It should change how you work. It should change how you do business. It should change how you act at school. It should change how you treat your neighbors. It should, all of these things should change. Why? Because we're a Christian and we're people that are supposed to be connected to Jesus. Non-Christians understand this reality. That real faith affects every area of your life. And if it doesn't affect every area of your life, then it's not a real faith. Right? Thank you. And... Uh, <laughs> But listen, and if we want the people whom we love to come to know the Savior that we love, then it's got to begin with a faith that is sincere, a faith that is without hypocrisy, a faith that starts on Sunday and doesn't stop, that we are just as committed to Jesus when we're here as when we're anywhere else. And that's why Paul goes to prayer number four, which is the culmination of all these things. Look what he says. He says, being filled with the fruit of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Here's his prayer. His prayer is this, that your life would be fruitful. That your life would be fruitful. Listen, we are coming to the end. I'm sorry to tell you this. We are coming to the end of mango season here in Florida. We are. We're coming to the end. And, and it's sad for many people. But I, can I tell you something? I've gotten more mangoes this year than I even know what to do with. I, I'm seriously... 
I've had people give me mangoes. I've had people I don't even know give me mangoes. I had somebody give me, hey, Pastor Bob, here's some mangoes. Oh, I didn't know you had a mango tree. Oh, I don't. Oh, do you have a family member? Well, I have a friend who has a grandfather. He has a mango tree. He gave them to his grandson. His grandson gave them to this guy. The guy gave them to me, and now I'm giving them to you. Thank you. So, and I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing. I, I'm telling you, I have the most random people this to me just handing me bags of mangoes. And I, I have mangoes ev- everywhere. Here's the thing. I don't even like mangoes, okay? That's the funny part. Luckily, my daughter's the president of the Mango Lover Society of America because she is a mango machine. She could eat mangoes all day long and, and, not, and not stop. My, my dad used to have this mango tree. I don't talk to him about it very much because he gets depressed about it. Uh, but he has this... Because he has this, he used to have this like thirty foot mango tree in his front yard uh, that it was it was amazing, and he it produced so much fruit he couldn't even handle it. He doesn't even like talk about it. And he moved to a bigger house and whatnot, and he's like, you know, and, and he doesn't even refer to the house. He's like, I can't believe I sold the property with the mango tree. You know, and it's like, I, I live in a house next to a mango tree. I used to refer to I live oh, it's a nice house, but it has a great mango tree. And, and anyway, so now, so that's, that's the property with the mango tree is how he re- refers to it affectionately. And, um, but every time I would see him, he would hand me three or four bags full of mangoes because the mango, this, there was so, this thing was producing so much fruit. I mean, the mangoes were just falling off the tree. They were so ripe. And I'm like, and it's like, listen, I know you don't like mangoes, but I need you to take them. I cannot contain them. They're taking over. And I need you to take these mangoes, and I need, to give, I need you to give them to anyone who will receive them. Just take them. And, and now, now, here, now here's the reason I, I tell you this, right? It's because you know what's amazing about bearing fruit? When he talks about that uh, in verse 11, he says that, that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness, which, is, which are by Jesus Christ. Uh, here, here's the thing. The thing about bearing fruit is that there comes a point in life where you bear so much fruit, it's not even about you anymore. It's not even about just the people that you know anymore. That don't, don't, wouldn't you love this to be said of your life that you were a person who bore so much fruit that you were a blessing to this person? You were a blessing three or four degrees of separation to people that you didn't even know? That's why the Bible would say in, in Psalm 1 verse 3, I put it in your notes, where he says this. He says that, um, that he will be like a tree planted by rivers of water who brings forth fruit in his season and his leaf does not wither but whatever he does shall prosper I mean, isn't that what we want? That, you know, too often, let me tell you something, too often I think that we, we sell ourselves too short in what God wants to do in our lives. Too often we're praying, oh God, could you meet my needs, meet my needs, meet my needs. Can I tell you God's prayer for you according to these verses? God's prayer for you isn't just that your needs would be met, but that your life would be so fruitful that you would actually be a blessing to other people. That you would live a mango kind of life in the midst of uh, a, a, a world that is not very, very fruitful. That your life would be a blessing to the people that are around you. That your life would lift up other people in a world that pulls everybody down. That you would be a guy or, or a girl that would just encourage people in a world we live in where sarcasm is the natu- national language. You see, isn't that what you want? out of your life, for your life to be fruitful, for your life to be blessed and to be a blessing. And if you want your life to be fruitful, then here's what you gotta do. Look what he, what he talks about there. He talks about you, you're planting yourself. You decide, he says, you know, this person, he plants himself by the river of water which brings forth fruit in its season. You know what that means? That means that you get to decide where you're, where you're planted. So then bloom, plant yourself there and bloom where you're planted. 
And let me remind you, if you weren't here last week, Paul isn't writing this epistle. He's not writing this letter from, you know, somewhere on the beach. It's not, he's not in a cool vacation spot. He is in prison. He's in prison, and yet he still knows that love needs to be wise, that decisions need to be excellent, that faith needs to be real, and that fruit needs to abound in our lives. And so he's challenging us in this and praying for us in, in, in this respect. And the question is, listen, if you want to live a fruitful life, then use your words wisely. I mean, use your words to build people up. Listen, it doesn't take any skill or talent to tear someone down. But it does take gifting and fruitfulness to be able to build someone up and build something. You want to live a fruitful life, then here, take your stuff and hold it with an open hand. Hold it with an open hand because maybe God has given you something and it's not even for you. It's for someone else. Be open to that. Maybe God's going to give you so many mangoes in your life that it's like, hey, this isn't, at some point, this is not just about me. This is about me being a blessing to other people. And you know what you'll find? This is the part that's so amazing. What you'll find is joy. Isn't that just an, an incredible thing that what you, that what you find in that is, is joy? Because Paul is a guy that was in prison, and you might feel that same way. You see, I'm, I'm Pastor Baba. I mean, I, I can't say it because I'm, I'm sitting next to the person, but I feel like I'm imprisoned in this relationship and this marriage. This financial bind that I'm in feels like a prison. Maybe it's a different kind of prison. Maybe you're single and you're saying, I, I'm, I'm praying and hoping and asking for God to bring somebody into my life, but it's just, it hasn't happened and it's starting to feel like a prison. Before we close, I want to teach you one verse. It's, it's an important verse in, in my life and I pray it will become an important one in yours. It's the last verse in your outline. It's in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Here's what it says. It says, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, you and I can feel powerless in circumstances today. There can be moments where we feel powerless, but here's what I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to embrace God's joy. Because when you can embrace God's joy, you can withstand whatever is thrown at you. But how do, I mean, how do, how do I do that? How do I, I embrace God's joy? Here's where you begin embracing God's joy. You've got to start believing the stuff about you that the Bible teaches you got to start believing the promises that God has made to you and not think that I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Oh, see, I'm just waiting for something bad to happen. No, no, no. But you start believing that really God wants to do good in your life, that God maybe does want to bless your life, that maybe God wants to plant you by a river of water that brings forth fruit in its season, and really that everything you do would do well and you'd be a blessing to those two, three, four, five, six degrees of se- that are separated from you and beyond. You see, you don't have to live a life that's defeated. You don't have to be sad all the time. You don't have to let external problems steal every ounce of joy that God wants to bring into your life. Because here's where joy begins. Can I, can I just share this with you? This is something that's just, it's not in your notes. It's just something that's been in my heart um, as of late. It's in the Gospel of John chapter 15. And he says this um, in verse 9. He says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I kept in my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you 
and that your joy may be full. You see, this is where joy begins. Joy is a gift that God gives us. It's a work that God wants to do in us. And it begins, it begins in relationship with him. That listen, God never wastes a hurt in your life. Instead, he uses them to bring greater joy later on and greater victory in your life. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you. We thank you that you are the author of joy and that you want to do a work in us and a work through us. So God, I just pray that for those of us that are here that are struggling, that are going through difficult season, some of us, Lord, that we've walked away from you, that God, maybe today is the day that we just would come back and experience your joy once again. That's our prayer, God that you would use these final moments to work in and through us. In Jesus' name.